For those of you who remember, what rhymes with one? And you think of someone running ahead of you, and the first commandment therefore is, I shalt have no other gods before me. What rhymes with two? Great. We are really getting there. And what do you think of in a zoo? Beasties. Good, Neil. <laughs> Neil's been me- reading his medieval literature lately. Uh, <clears throat> all kinds of animals. And so the second commandment is no graven images. Thou shalt not make any idols, nor worship them, nor bow down to them. The third is number three. What rhymes with three? Right. And the third commandment, therefore, is Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. The reason for that, of course, is if a tree falls on your foot, what do you say? Yes. (laughs) Ouch. (laughs) Correct. Correct. It's a a reminder as to what you do not say. So, four, what rhymes with four is door. And when you think of a door, what you need to think of is the church door. So the fourth commandment is, Thou shalt honor the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Okay, so what rhymes with four? And what is the fourth commandment? Thou shalt. Right. Honor the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Very, very good. So let's look at that passage together, Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11. And I would encourage you, if you have a Bible, to turn and read along as I read aloud from God's Word. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your manservant or maidservant, nor your animals, nor the alien within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we come to your word this morning trusting that you will add the power of your Holy Spirit to our consideration of it. That we would be guided by your Holy Spirit into a fuller understanding of who you are, and what you desire out of your relationship with us, and what you have given to us to make that relationship a relationship of blessing and of joy for us in the midst of whatever difficulties we face in our lives. Lord, I pray that my words would be faithful to your word, because your word alone is holy. In Jesus' name, amen. Who was it who wrote, Resolved? Never to utter anything that is sportive or matter of laughter on a Lord's Day. I don't expect you to be able to guess that one. But that was one of the resolutions of Jonathan Edwards. It doesn't sound like much like the writing style of our day. It doesn't sound much like the topic of our day, does it? And so as we look at that resolve, never to utter anything that is sportive or matter of laughter on a Lord's Day... We have to ask, was Jonathan Edwards out of touch with God's desire, or is our culture today? Or is this just a difference in practice that is not terribly relevant today? One of the most respected generals of American history believed, as he said, that Scripture, quote, requires us to abstain on the Sabbath 
from every thought, word, and action which affords gratification to a worldly mind. Requires us to abstain on the Sabbath from every thought, word, and action which affords gratification to a worldly mind. Anybody want to guess which general it was? Many, many generals. Any guesses? Who? Someone guess one? Stonewall Jackson's view of the Lord's Day. I thought someone said something that sounded very much like Stonewall Jackson. (laughs) Stonewall Jackson, of course, is a matter of great pride for those of you who are native Southerners. Because Stonewall Jackson was a legendary general of the Confederacy whose death hastened the decline and fall of the South in the Civil War. Jackson was known throughout the armies of the South as a man of great religious integrity, a Presbyterian elder who, whenever circumstances afforded the opportunity, would give his troops freedom on Sundays to attend the worship service that he promoted in his armies and to spend their day in religious reflection. After winning a significant victory against Union forces at Kernstown on a Sunday, Jackson, who was well known for his aversion, his dislike, and his distaste for Sunday marches and battles, responded to a letter from his wife, Anna, who wrote inquiring as to why he had attacked on the Lord's Day. An interesting question, isn't it? Why did you attack on the Lord's Day? Jackson wrote back to her this, You appear much concerned on my attacking at my attacking on Sunday. I was greatly concerned, too, but I thought it was my duty to do it in consideration of the ruinous effects that might result from postponing the battle until the morning. So far as I can see, my course was a wise one, the best that I could do under the circumstances, though very distasteful to my feelings. And I hope and pray to our Heavenly Father that I may never again be circumstanced as as on that day. Such scruples are little in evidence today. Unfortunately, as we look at this commandment, the fourth commandment, thou shalt honor the Sabbath day to keep it holy, there's so much detritus, so much flotsam and jetsam, so many things that surround that commandment in our world and in our culture today that I think before moving into it, we have to clear some of these things out of the way. In looking at these specific examples, the example of Jonathan Edwards, one of his resolutions written that he wished to be guided by in his life. And in looking at um, how his view of this commandment affected Stonewall Jackson as a general, there's one thing that jumps out at us. And the thing that jumps out at us is was their inclination to avoid doing certain things on the Sabbath. Now that in this commandment is only a part of the commandment. And as we look at it over the next Sunday or two, what we will see is that, as in many of the commandments, there, the commandment is not sufficient to say that it is negative only. Because there is a positive angle and aspect to it which must be emphasized at least as much as the negative. And so what I'd like to say from personal experience is my memory <clears throat> as a son of a family who were strong Christians. I can remember as a child that there was one day that stuck out among all others in my home, and that day was Sunday. There was a specific reason for that. There was a specific form which that day took. There were many things that I was not allowed to do on that day. 
but there were an equal number of things that we did do on that day, nearly every week. <clears throat> One of those things was, was, of course, church and Sunday school. And another one of those things was that we frequently would have people from church, whether they were visitors in the church or friends of the family or whatever, over for supper after church, for dinner, I guess. On Sunday, the big meal of the day is always dinner. So therefore, even though it was at lunchtime or later, it was called dinner. Now, that's a little, another lesson entirely. Let's put that one aside here. But uh, so for me and, and my brothers and sister, I think we can say, with, with a great degree of certainty that Sunday was the best day of the week for us. And so I want to throw that in there. At the same time, I'm throwing in there Jonathan Edwards, Stonewall Jackson, what they would not do. Because when you look at what people will not do on a particular day, your mind dwells on what cannot be done, and you miss out on the blessing of what was done. <coughs> <coughs> This commandment, of all the Ten Commandments, is the one that has been discarded in our day, and it has been discarded along with the ceremonial law of Moses. Now, I'm not saying what should be. I'm saying the facts and the realities of our day and age. This is clearly not part of the ceremonial law. This is included in the Decalogue, which is another way of expressing the Ten Commandments. It is part of the law of which Jesus said in Matthew 5.18, I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. In truth, we have a different view and practice of the Sabbath today. And it is a current practice regarding this fourth commandment that we must examine in order to clear it out of the way so that we can look at what God truly does desire. So let us look at the reality Regarding practice of this commandment today. <clears throat> First, we have to remove obstacles to obedience today. Many people say this. This is not a commandment or law that is valid anymore today. Because of the coming and teaching of Christ, it, is no longer, it no longer has any application. <clears throat> Thomas Watson, in his book... Uh, that arose out of his sermons on the Ten Commandments, said this, and he wrote in the 1600s in England, The thing I would now observe is this, that the commandment of keeping the Sabbath was not abrogated with the ceremonial law. In other words, it was not ended with the ceremonial law, but is purely moral, and the observation of it is to be continued to the end of the world. Where can it be shown that God has given us a discharge from keeping one day in seven? Where can it be shown that God has given us a discharge from keeping one day in seven? There are abundant and constant examples throughout church history <clears throat> that prove that our lack of attention to this commandment, our decision that, you know, the Sabbath is no longer applicable to Christians today, is a modern-day view. It's not a long church history-held view. Now, of course, the fact that it's a modern view does not prove that our view regarding the Sabbath is wrong, because we do not believe in the authority of tradition, but we rely upon Scripture alone. However, when the culture and our religious views find themselves walking hand in hand, while church history is strongly uniform in teaching another view, 
then we must sniff the air because frequently what we smell is a rat. So let's deal with some proof texts which seem to speak to the contrary. Colossians 2.16 Therefore do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. This is one of the proof texts that seems to indicate and people use quite frequently to say Sabbath observance is ended. Who was it who was judged constantly with regard to his use of the Sabbath? Christ, right? And yet, did he throw out the Sabbath principle? No. So he was constantly criticized regarding his use of the Sabbath. He refused to be judged. He got angry at the people who did it and explained and taught them about the fact that their views were completely contrary to Scripture and God's intent. Yet he observed the Sabbath conscientiously and intentionally. Therefore, judgment regarding Sabbath day observance was nothing new. In Paul's time when he wrote this command from the Lord, do not let anyone judge you about such things or a Sabbath day, the way you celebrate it. It was something that had been going on for some time. And just because we refuse to be judged regarding our observance of the Sabbath day does not carry the weight of an outright command or revelation, Sabbath observance is over. That is not what it says. You cannot have two minds concerning this commandment. And this is what I believe many in the church have today. They say, Sabbath observance is over. And yet they feel very strongly that we should encourage people that Sunday is the day they should be in church and they they need to be with God's people. You cannot have it both ways. It must be one way or the other way. Either it is gone and people can get together and should get together with God's people whenever they like and however often they like, as long as it's often. Or this part of the Ten Commandments is still applicable. Galatians 4.10, you are observing special days and months and seasons and years. Robertson's word pictures on this, Galatians 4.10, says this. Paul does not object to these observances, for as a Jew he kept them himself. He objected to Gentiles taking them as a means of salvation. Now that's what we have been emphasizing and stressing, what I have been saying from the first day that we delved into the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments are not a basis for salvation. They cannot save. They are a school teacher which teaches us the ways in which we are living and acting contrary to God's law so that we can turn to God, find His forgiveness, and walk in holiness and grow in holiness. Romans 14.5 One man considers one day more sacred than another. Another man considers every day alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. Here we are dealing again with the matter of the judgment of others. But are the days that he is speaking of, as some which some consider more sacred than others, are those days meaning Sabbaths? Is he meaning religious festivals, new moon celebrations and the like? Or does he mean all of the above? There's no way of telling. Again, no definitive statement indicating an end to the applicability of this commandment. 
Beyond all of this is the evidence throughout the New Testament and the Old Testament alike, going, including to the book of Revelation, which the uh, Alpha Adult Sunday School class has been studying in here for several weeks or months or years, (laughs) which speaks of... uh, Let's see... I wish I had it written down. I don't have it written down here. Um, What it speaks of is is specific things happening in the end times and the reference to those specific things being given to the Sabbath, their occurrence on the Sabbath. I'll look at that and find it for you later if anybody has specific questions about that. But there is evidence throughout the New Testament and throughout the Old Testament much of which we'll look at later, but not today, showing exactly how, when, and where the Lord, His disciples, His apostles, kept the Sabbath holy and made it a distinct day separate from others. However, we we must go farther than just to remove these obstacles to sincere attention to this commandment. In order to obey this commandment, we must also do something which for many of us may be closer to home, which is to refuse to bow to personal convenience. <clears throat> because in the world we live in, we recognize its effects upon us. Scripture teaches, teaches us again and again about the effects which the world will have upon our lives. <clears throat> our culture does not support Sabbath observance. <clears throat> Look around us. What does our culture say about the Sabbath? Restaurants encourage us to leave our kitchens and employ them to do our cooking on the Sabbath. And if we do so, they in turn must have their workers on Sundays. So as a result, believers who work in restaurants are asked to work on Sundays. This is an effect that the culture has in not supporting Sabbath observance. I remember my brother Tim telling me about a pastor friend of his who went into a restaurant on a Sunday after church and he saw a lady there that he had some acquaintance with and he asked her why she hadn't been in church or had she gone or why she hadn't been there that morning. And she said, if you didn't come here to eat, then I could go to church. And that's an example of the way in which What our culture does affects what happens to the church. What we do as a church affects what happens in the culture. We look around us and we see that sports are played on Sundays. Many of you have seen the article by the front door, which began by quoting from recent minutes of the Bristol Ministerial Association, in which they addressed this issue. Let me read that short portion. Tom Quickle, who is the pastor and president of the association, reported on the growing number of sports activities and practices during Sunday and Wednesday worship Bible study hours. He requested the association speak publicly about this problem. I guess that's what I'm doing now. <laughs> no. He requested the association speak publicly about this problem. After discussion, it was decided to call and or contact such organizations and seek to work alternatives. Pertinent contacts will be made with the Park and Recreation Board, Bristol newspapers, soccer, baseball, softball coaches, the two city mayors, the county executive, Gil Hodges, and school superintendents. 
Christians fall into the seduction of thinking that if their children do not participate in these activities on Sunday, they will miss out and not be allowed to play whenever the games are played at other times. Or even Christians accept the myth which is predominated in our culture that not being allowed to participate in these sports activities will stunt the development of their children. Not only do Christians feel the necessity of keeping their children in these group activities, they also feel the necessity of coaching these sports. And having accepted bad teaching or not wanting to buck the trend, coaching on Sunday goes on as well. Pro games make use of Sundays an indispensable day for getting the work of competition done. And in many of our homes, unless we watch Monday night football or turn on our VCR and tape the football games, Sunday is the day that you watch pro sports and pro football games. Stores are open on Sundays, another effect in our culture, including the mecca of homeowners' delight, the Megalos Home Yard Improvement Emporium. (laughs) Factories are open on Sundays. Anything and everything is done and subject to being done on Sunday, unless the boss or the workers refuse to fall into the practice. So, if we recognize that this is the case in our culture, we realize that it would require being unpopular, that it would indicate criticism of what others are doing and quite possibly bring on some measure of persecution were we to confront even our Bible Belt culture with obedience to this commandment. Further, as we look at the culture and we look at our own lives, we realize it is more convenient to neglect this command. Because the work never stops needing to be done, right? The grass, uh, well, during this time of the year, fortunately for all of us who mow grass, it tends to stop. We like the relief. But when it's raining, the grass never stops growing. It grows as much on Sunday as it does on every other day, doesn't it? That would be a good theological question to put alongside the question, how many angels can sit on the head of a pin? Does the grass grow as much on Sunday as on every other day? (coughs) Our work never stops calling our attention. And after all, Sunday seems as good a day as any other to do our work. Plus, it has the added benefit for many of us that we may not have as many things going on as on other days. And as we look around us, everyone else is doing it. And we are tempted then to get on the trend bill that never stops. Keeping up with the Joneses and keeping up with our lives as best we can. Well, if we are looking at the culture And what we are dealing with and living in today as it affects observance of this commandment, we also must measure the results of our cultural shift away from Sabbath rest and devotion. Now, we're looking for the most part at the results of our ignoring this command in our culture and among the church. Many people do not ignore this command. Many of God's people have said in their hearts, because of this specifically, we are going to do differently This is what we will do on this day. This is what we will not do. And having made decisions, have reaped God's blessings as well. But all of us experience the impact of what our culture does, regardless of whether it is with regard to keeping the Sabbath day holy or any other commandment of God's. 
Has this been good for our culture and for God's people? One of the results of what our culture has done is that the church has become more like the world. Contrary to the example of Chariots of Fire and Eric Little, who refused to run the 100-meter heat at the 1924 Paris Olympics, a distance for which he already held the world record, because it was scheduled on a Sunday, oftentimes the church does not stand out in this way. Even though this movie was a box office hit among Christians, one wonders if the church who watched it actually saw the reason for little sacrifice. Whether they concluded that he just did something noble for a foolish reason. For if the Sabbath day commandment is not applicable today, and you must answer that question, is it applicable or is it not applicable? If it was not and is not applicable today, then his refusal to run on the Sabbath in the Olympics in that heat on that day was just that. If you believe that the Sabbath rest and devotion are no longer applicable, then he simply was a man who made a sacrifice he did not have to make. He made a sacrifice for a foolish reason. If that wasn't is the case, then there's nothing to honor there. Because there are people all around us, oftentimes we ourselves, who are making sacrifices for the wrong reasons. Great, but so what? What else are the effects in our world today? Another of the effects is that we are losing a day of rest and peaceful solitude. (coughs) Massachusetts was the last state in which the blue laws were terminated. The blue laws were the laws which prohibited businesses from opening on Sunday. Um, (coughs) I was living in Massachusetts during the time prior to their removal and after their removal. And I can remember traveling on a main road in Massachusetts on that day before the removal of the blue laws and after the removal of the blue laws. And there was a marked difference. When you got in your car and you went to church on the morning before the blue laws, you would not see hardly a car in sight. Massachusetts is a little bit different than down here. There's not quite as many people who go to church. (laughs) After the blue laws, Sunday became like every other day. Everyone was busy trying to get someplace else to do something else rather than employing that day being content, doing what they could do where they were. God has given us this special day for contemplation, for worship, for works of mercy, and rest so that we may be blessed and renewed for our everyday, weekday labors. And when this day is lost, to that, a day of rest and peaceful solitude is lost. A further effect is that we, the church, and the world as well, have lost a day of contemplation upon heavenly things. Simply put, when people do not spend time reflecting on eternity, the worries and pleasures of this world have no choice but to occupy their thoughts. How else can we describe the culture of our day than by saying it is a world full of people living for themselves, not for eternity, and not for others? Sunday is an excellent time, a God-ordained time, to evaluate your life according to eternal principles. While it is a day for evaluating your life according to God's principles, when people spend no time thinking about eternity or God, or when they spend as little time as possible, or when they begrudge the time that they spend thinking about God and eternity... 
and they want to spend less time, what happens is people become more like the master of this earth who is Satan and more ruled by selfish desires and less ruled by Christ. When it is personal desires and evil desires that fill our thoughts and our minds, we are not thinking of the things of God and the things of eternity, then we have no need to look any further to see which will win out in the way our actions go. In the next Sunday or so, I'd like to look further at evidence from the past and how we can plot a course for the future. But in conclusion, I would like to read... I'll leave you with some words my father wrote some 15 years ago in the wake of a heart attack. He addressed these words of reflection to his children. They were published in an article in Eternity magazine, and this is a portion which was devoted to the fourth commandment, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. This is in the early 80s. I believe my generation's greatest loss, next to the inviolateness of marriage in the family, has been the sanctity of the Lord's day. Mother and I started out our home with a rather serious attempt to keep it holy. No work, no group sports for you children, quiet activities, sometimes visits with Christian friends and their children. But somewhere along the way, we changed our attitude, and our attitude became much more secular or pagan than Christian, in the sense that I now believe the Bible teaches and earlier generations practiced. For yourself and for any children God may give you, try to recapture the Lord's Day as a day of rest and deeds of mercy, of retreat from the world. Try to turn it into the happiest day of the week. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we ask that you would impress upon our hearts these lessons that we see from our culture, from our world today with regard to this commandment. We pray that you would deal with us on this commandment as you deal with us on all of those things of which your word speaks. That you would cause us to, in humility, to be obedient to you, to follow your word and to follow your way. Take away from us any rebelliousness or resentment. Replace these thoughts and attitudes instead with obedience and joy in the knowledge that obedience to you brings great blessing. We pray that our lives and our families and our relationships might be blessed by our obedience to honoring the Sabbath day, remembering it to keep it holy, that it might be a day on which we glorify and praise you, a day in which we consider the things of heaven, a day on which we consider how best we can be a blessing to those around us. In Jesus' name, amen.